podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Analyst at the Cricket World Cup. Simon, I've got something to tell you actually. I've seen two games of cricket in South London in the last two hours. First, obviously, India against Australia at the Kennington Oval. But as I was driving to your house, I also saw a second game going on on Clapham Common. And it was Last Man Stands. Oh, right. You know all about Last Man Stands? The eight-a-side game where the last man can bat on his own. Uh, it's a 16-over-a-side a game, so it's all over in two hours. It's kind of almost like the, the concept of the 100. And I, why I just mentioned it is because, actually, Clapham Common is one of the cradles of the game. The, the London team first played at the Clapham Common, on the Clapham Common, in about 1703 or something. Even before the MCC were born, there was cricket on Clapham Common. So it's quite nice to see that, actually. Slightly different sort of game from India v Australia at the Kennington Oval, but cricket nonetheless. When you were driving past, did you see a wicket fall? I saw four buys, actually. (laughs) I saw a big wipe across the line, and the ball went straight through the keeper's legs, straight to the boundary. It's one of those... Kind of sports where you probably do need a backstop. Right. Okay. You know what it's like though when you get, when you're driving past, or you go past on a train or whatever, you know, whatever mode of transport you're on. You're always looking. To, is there going to be a wicket? Is something going to happen in the game? I, yeah. just, I just wondered. Anyway, well, actually, quite often you, you you sit there hoping for something to happen at all. I mean, even a ball to be bowled because there's some pointless bit of waving of the of the field or somebody who's not in the right position or somebody not watching or the umpire's not ready or the batsman's not ready or whatever. So actually, I did see a couple of balls and uh, not. Very high standard of cricket. I won't name the teams involved. Uh, But we did see a high standard of cricket at Kennington Oval. And we're going to look back at the tournament and also hear uh, shortly as well uh, from the great Indian captain, Saurav Ganguly, who's had uh, some success of his own in the World Cup. And he's going to talk about his thoughts on the tournament so far. But meantime, what did you think of today? India winning all day from the moment the coin came down and India won the toss. I mean, OK, you've got to go out and, and play well after you've won the toss. But I, right from the start, I thought India controlled the match and they looked inevitable winners from, uh, well, de- you know, even well inside their own innings. They looked like they were going to get a massive score. They did. And then that score was just too many for Australia. I thought it, it slightly reminded me. I, I mean, you have to use your imagination a little bit here. Slightly reminded me of the 1979 World Cup final, West Indies against England, where West Indies got a big score and England were just too slow at the start. So David Warner today reminded me of Geoffrey Boycott. Well, I'm not sure if he'll see that as a compliment <laughs> or not. Perhaps he won't. Yeah, Warner was a strange innings, actually. He just got stuck, didn't he? Uh, he just didn't ever get the, uh, the, the, the momentum he wanted. But I, I suppose that is also removing the fact that, or ignoring the fact that, that the Indian bowling was excellent today. And I think the, the Australian bowling, meanwhile, was, was poor, actually. Apart from Pat Cummins, who bowled superbly, didn't think Mitchell Stark was quite on it. I thought the second line of, of attack, Nathan Coulter-Nile, pretty ordinary. Glenn Maxwell, OK. Adam Zampa started with an absolutely abysmal pie down the leg side to Rohit Sharma and never really recovered. And Marcus Stoyne has had a pretty horrible match as well. Two for 62 from seven overs and out second ball. So the, the Australian sort of backup players, spinners and, and medium paces, medium fast, medium bowlers, 
didn't didn't look adequate to me, and I think that's a, a big problem for Australia. Yeah, I'm I'm never been particularly convinced by Stoinis's bowling. He gets you right every now and again, but contrast that with. India's backup bowling, when you've got two wrist spinners, okay, you look at their figures Yadav, 9 overs for 55, Jahal, 10 overs, 2 for 62. They're not massively impressive, but actually, what they did was they built pressure on Australia, and then later on, say Kumar came back and was able to profit from that in a way, not quite in the same way. I'm, I'm driving the analogy quite a long distance actually, but in the way that Joel Garner was able to benefit in the 1979 World Cup final, England had to play all those shots and he got all those wickets. wickets. Yeah. yeah. After a night on the rum, apparently, as well. He, he didn't even go to bed. What, Bhubaneshwar Kumar? Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, maybe he should try that too. But Joel Garner claims in that 1979 final that the uh, the years before where he played big sort of big tournaments, big finals, he couldn't sleep and he was restless at night. So he decided before the World Cup final of 79 to go out drinking and bowl brilliantly. Yeah. And I mean, Garfield Sobers actually used to apply that sort of rationale to his cricket as well. And so. I think one or two others in the history of the game as well. But it's, it's, it's a bit but Not diff- Jeff Boycott. No, it's a, bit, it's a bit different now. But India winning all day, I think the toss was, was quite important. Yeah, I mean, very much is, so. Is, is this becoming, or will it become even more so, a, a bat-first World Cup? I thought, you know, yesterday, mm. Bangladesh putting England into bat. No, no. Go out there, try to get a decent score on the board and try to build some pressure. Yeah. If you let England, if you, if you let India get going... I mean, the other point as well is, you know, get if you don't get the openers out, you might as well give up. I mean, you've got, you've got to get early wickets, haven't you? You've, mm. got, you've got to nip out Rohit or, or Darwan. You've got to Roy. nip out Roy or Bairstow. Yeah. You, you really have. Mm. And, and also, you know, Finch and, and Warner as well. Um, Finch, of course, was run out by... Warner today, which did not please him. Mm. Um, they they seem to have made up by the end of the match, but you know you know it's like in a dressing room when someone of, runs someone yes, out. Yes, I think there was a bit of damage in the dressing room today. It wasn't done by Warner for a change, or you know some kind of uh, one or two seat slats might have got broken or something. I should think because Finch did look pretty furious. The I spoke to the Surrey groundsman, the Oval groundsman actually before play, and I I've been on this. Sort of philosophy all along about batting first and 10.30 starts in the morning in England are not what they were 20 years ago when there wasn't juice in the pitch and greenness and so on. Now these pitches are bone dry. And I spoke to Lee at the, the, at the Oval today, the groundsman, said, you know, what time are you here this morning? He said sort of half six, seven, mm. the covers are off by 7.15, 7.30, you know, out to the open to the elements for three hours, yeah. bone well, it dry. Light about, it gets light yeah, about yeah, quarter to five. Yeah, yeah, I know. And uh, they... You know the drainage on the grounds. He said actually because it's been a dampish week, mm. they've had covers on the square, and that of course keeps the square very dry. Yeah. There's no such business of sort of pitches sweating under covers anymore. So that pitch was bone dry at the start. It was the right thing to bat first, and I just think generally that the the Australians they didn't really apply themselves that well. It wasn't a particularly accurate or typically. Uh, sort of miserly kind of Australian approach. And interestingly, when I talked to Sarav Ganguly after the game, he agreed with me that there's a bit of concern about the lack of potency of the Australian attack. I've said at the start of the competition, teams which have good spinners will be in good position in the tournament. And and the middle overs are very, very crucial. And Australia didn't have the... For a long, long time, after a long, long time, I'm seeing an Australian bowling attack not being able to pick wickets in the middle. Yes, it was a good pitch, a flat pitch. And when you play on these sort of pitches, you know they're going to get 300. But it's how much after 300? 315, 320, 325. If Australia would have restricted them to 325, 330, 
this was a game to win but just the 20 runs so it's it's about it's about being on your toes when you're playing on flat wickets because we've played a lot on flat pitches and we're used to bowlers being hit all around the park so they just lost a bit in the middle but it's still early days i think yeah in early days but uh, two or three, three things impressed me about India. One was the way Shikhar Dhawan adapted his game when he wasn't timing the ball to start with. Two was the impact of Hardik Pandya. And three was the, the control of the spinners. Uh, that, that's always going to be the difference, isn't it? Adam Zampa needed to do a lot better than he did. Australia going it with one spinner. Uh, Maxwell, obviously, a part-timer. And India's strength has been spin. But Australia did play the spinners as well. It's not that they played poorly. But just 358 was too much. I think that's where they lost the game. They allowed India 30 runs more. Mm. And, and the people who made those runs, well, Pandya was one. Kohli played a, a well-controlled innings. They just feel... It, it feels like Pandya to me, that number six, number seven sort of spot. In fact, he was promoted today, wasn't he? But that number six, seven spot where you've got an impact player who can get 50 off 20 balls could well be India's best chance of beating England. I mean, England have that strength in the middle order as well. England's don't they? bowling is better, I think. England are a good side. They've got good spin in the middle. Rashid and, and Moin Ali will be will be good in these conditions. Uh, but you know, uh, it's the top order of India, which is its, its strength. Look at the number of hundreds they have got. You know, 42 for Kohli, 23 for Rohit Sharma, Shekhar Dhawan, 17 in just 130 games. So that's a lot of numbers up there, and they set the platform up. You know, teams which have to beat India will have to hurt them up front, like Pakistan did the Champions Trophy two years ago. If you let these boys get off to a good start, they'll beat many teams in the world. So what do you need to win the World Cup now as a team? Not necessarily as an Indian team, but as a team. What can you see being the things, the assets that you need in this tournament? Well, it's difficult, you know. It's too early to say, you know, situations change every day. Australia batted first, got 340. It would have been tough for India as well. Like it happened in the Champions Trophy two years ago, India were dominating the competition. Pakistan were put to bat in the final 350-340 game was over. So it'll keep changing because the difference between the sides, especially England, Australia, India, maybe New Zealand, Pakistan are not great. Pakistan, you know, got hammered by England in the four games when they were here. And then came the big game in Nottingham, they went past England. So it's a situation I don't think you can predict that far. India have played well today. You know, it could be different when they get in the sem- play in the semi-finals or finals again. Are you are you excited by oh, it? Oh, I love it! I love this format. You know, good good games. Uh, as as I went through the commentary, there were rosters given of games for the for the week. Every every game will be a cracker of a game, and this is the best format, and it should be continued. So, which is your next one? I go to Bristol, uh, where Sri Lanka play Bangladesh, and then I go to Nottingham on 13, where 13 where India play New Zealand, and then the big game India Pakistan. India, Pakistan, I can't wait for that. Next Sunday, yeah. that's going to be amazing, isn't it? Yeah, they're a dangerous side. They're a dangerous side. Uh, they stunned India in the finals a couple of years ago. It'll be packed, I can say that. <laughs> be noisy. <laughs> noisy and packed, yes. Uh, and the broadcasters will go berserk. And, and how many selfies will you have to be, uh, be involved in? About, about <laughs> 200? That's why I make sure I come early. I was here at 8.25 this morning to get away from the crowd, get into the zone and be at peace. I remember commentating with you in Nagpur, India-South Africa World Cup uh, 2011, and you came in to the commentary box and we couldn't see out of the commentary box because everybody was looking in at you. But you're, you're used to that now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm used to that and, and I treat that as an honour and a respect. Just deal with it, just lead my life, you know, that's how it's been. 
Well, that was Surav Ganguly. I was at that game in Nagpur. I think the television commentary boxes were on the far side from the radio boxes, and he actually got a car round from the around the outside of the ground to, to do his radio spells because you know he'd just been mobbed if he was inside the ground making his way around. But it was remarkable just just watching so many people watch him commentate rather than actually watch the game that was going on out in front of them. Yeah, it's funny actually. I I first met Surav. On an England A tour in 1995, playing for India A at the time, and I saw him bat number six for India A in a couple of test matches, sort of A test matches, and I thought, he can't play. I think he's just a slogger. He's a left-handed slogger. He's not going to get any runs. He's not going to get international cricket. 25,000 international runs later, (laughs) uh, I had to eat my bit of humble pie. But I think he's right uh, about the the, the Australians. I think he's, he's got some points about India as well. Their fielding was very good. Chahal and uh, Kuldeep Yadav, very effective spin combination, especially when backing up a big score like that, 352. Uh, That's just the a point, little bit of dryness when, when you've got those runs yeah. behind And you. even Steve Smith, who, who played well, couldn't get on top of them. Warner couldn't get on top of them. And they just left uh, too much to do. And it was, the, uh, you know, it was a very good foundation created by Rohit Sharma and Shikhar Darwin. I like the way that Darwin actually adapted his game. He sort of tried to play some big shots early on and couldn't quite get it together. So he actually started playing later. And his bruised thumb, which he had a bit of treatment for, seemed to sort of help him because he didn't try and force it anymore. He almost played a bit later and used the pace of the ball. And the Australians just had no way of getting them out and stemming the flow. And then they had the the big impact. And I think this is where India are going to be tough to beat. Hardik Pandya, who just stood right back on his stumps, almost like a baseballer with bat aloft, right in front of the stumps, inside the crease, and, and just smacked a, a, a rapid... Well, we're looking at the scorecard. He smacked 48 and 27 balls. Yeah. And that really was probably the difference in the end. Yeah, if, it, if it's his day, I mean, he's a very dangerous player, isn't he? He can score extremely quickly in an in orthodox fashion as well. He's got that helicopter stroke as well. India, well, I backed them at the start of the tournament. I thought they were the team uh, to beat. You know, in, especially in, in English conditions, you think, well, that you know, that's no English conditions are sort of green and seeming. No, not really. They are they're quite dry, quite good pitches, dry, and you know, a few used pitches as well. And they've got good enough batsmen to get big scores. And they've got the canny bowlers at the start, and they've got the spinners to come in and bowl as well. So they, they you know, they've got a lot of bases covered, of course, like any team like England in 2017, like well like India in 2017 as well. You can have a bad day. They lost to Pakistan in the final, but um you know, well good start from them. They've won efficiently two matches now, yeah. beaten South Africa and they've beaten Australia. That's a good start for India. It is, and not not much of a contribution from MS Dhoni. In fact, 27, which I mean is okay uh, from 14 balls, just uh, added a little bit of injury to, to the misery that Australia already suffering. Uh, I, I'm going to name drop here. I actually was at a dinner on Friday night with MS Dhoni. Uh, well, he was uh, attending anyway. No, he, he was, he like was a big, at, he was at he dinner was with, with you. Me. What yes, do you mean? Of course he was, and um, of course he was. People clustering round him, wanting endless selfies. But I did get twenty minutes chatting with him, and I, I, one of the things I asked him was, you know, he's got this incredible, cold-blooded ruthlessness, and he always looks incredibly cool in any rather nerve-wracking situation when a lot of other others of us would look tense or nervous in some way, and he just looks incredibly like. He looks so certain about the outcome and, and very just very composed in any situation. And I said, you know, where do you get that from? Because 
there's, it's been equated with some of his traits with the mentality of a psychopath. You know, just this sort of cold-blooded ruthlessness in a way. I said, are you really like that? And he said, no. He said, I'm not, actually. He said, I'm human, like anyone else. I feel the tension. I feel the excitement. I feel the nerves. I feel the pressure, but I don't show it. I've learnt, basically, to have a, a poker face or a calm face and not give away what I'm feeling inside. Breaking news on this podcast, MS Stoney is not a psychopath. <laughs> right, OK. You get all the big stories, Jos. Well... But, no, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because he, he does give that very calm, cool exterior. And, and it's going to hold India in, in huge stead, obviously, in the, the remainder of the tournament. Uh, they are up there, obviously, in, in the top four with England and with New Zealand at the moment. Uh, are you impressed by New Zealand? They beat Afghanistan. You were at that game yesterday. I wasn't impressed with their batting. I was quite impressed with their, their bowling. But, I mean, Afghanistan are poor. They're not a good side. Um, they've really struggled so far in this World Cup. I mean, if they were a reasonable side, I think they would have beaten Sri Lanka the other day in Cardiff. I wasn't really impressed with them. They, had, they put on 66 the first wicket, and then New Zealand took over. I was impressed with New Zealand's... You know, bowling, they've got some pace. Uh, Lockie Ferguson, Jimmy Nisham had a day out. I was really unimpressed with New Zealand's approach, actually. It took, what, 32 overs to knock off 170. That may come to hurt them later in the tournament if, you know, if net run rate uh, does come into play. I mean, I can understand, you know, get it done, win the game, don't take any chances. You know, it was a game they had to win. But they didn't look like potential World Cup winners that to me right. yesterday, not, not not with the bat. I thought a team, a team that was confident, that believed in itself, that was here, you know, meaning business, would have just gone out there and bang, 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 knocked those runs off and, and won the game. I mean, you know, you could, they could have actually risked a bit more to win quicker. I mean, you know, if they'd won by four wickets in twenty-two overs, that's much better than winning by seven wickets as they did in in thirty-two overs. I suppose you could say it was useful for someone like Kane Williamson to get runs because he, he has actually got a very good World Cup record. He's, he's really thin in, on World Cup runs overall. So a score for him, which is always important if you if your skipper's getting runs. Anyway, that was just my observation. New Zealand it might just been a bit, a bit of an off day. There was a bit in the pitch for the bowlers at Taunton, so you know you had to work uh, reasonably hard. But not not that impressed with New Zealand. Not as impressed as I think I expected to be with them. And they've got some bigger tests coming up. Their next match. Is India? Yeah, and that's going to be tough. And so our sort of selection for the top four is becoming more and more blurred, really. But there's no doubt that the two outstanding teams for me are India and England. I mean, England, the way they blitzed, uh, the way they blitzed Bangladesh on Saturday, you know, putting up that excellent first wicket stand and playing very sensibly, Roy and Bairstow, confronted by Shakib Alassane's spin, and then just surging ahead once they had built that foundation, the others coming in and, and adding, um, you know, lots of... Uh, emphasis and, and power to, to that last sort of 10-15 overs so they piled up that 380 score they were never going to lose that and actually it's good also to see Joffre Archer just producing an absolute peach to get an early wicket as well so England having probably you know been a bit disappointed by their performance against Pakistan potential banana skin of uh, Bangladesh was well and truly squashed yeah I thought it was unthinkable that England uh, could lose on Saturday what I mean is it wasn't impossible but it was unthinkable it's a game they had to win uh, Paul Farbrace was with us on commentary on Friday and said you know I asked him what sort of percentage chance he gave Bangladesh and he said I give them no percent chance England will thrash them uh, tomorrow and you know he was he was roughly right a hundred run victory in a one day game is is a is a big defeat, isn't it? And get to score 380-odd. Shaki, excellent. 
of course, uh, for, for Bangladesh. Who I mean, I just looking at the tournament, I, it's sort of we're about nearly a third of the way through. It's beginning to take shape a little bit. I, I mean, I think we're down to six teams now. Really, who can? It's, it's become a six-team World Cup. Uh, I'm discounting Afghanistan, obviously, South Africa, and Bangladesh. I'm discounting them as well because they've lost two two big games now. They, you know, they they're, they're a tidy side and they're they're sort of dangerous, but they they're just not quite good enough. And I'm I'm, I'm discounting Sri Lanka, who I think mm. are a, a bit of a rabble, really. Mm. Um, so and, it's sort of you know one of India, you feel India and England are going to get the, to the semi-finals, and presumably Australia. Mm. So it's then going to be one of New Zealand, Pakistan, West Indies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I wouldn't be categorical about um, you know those three no, teams that you no. mentioned definitely getting through mm. to the semi-finals. I think India I will. Well, that, that's fair. Yeah, I, I mean they probably will, and that's um, that was my tip at the start of the, of the tournament. Are those three plus one other? But there's still. Um, you know, chances much to play. For. Well, there, well, there, well, there is, and there's, there's, there's chances games, for, for yeah. you know for slip ups. Yeah. England playing West Indies in in Southampton, South and that is going to be a really fascinating game mm. on Friday in Southampton. Yeah. To see how England cope with the the power of the West Indies, both in their their bowling and particularly in their batting. Remember, West Indies took England down twice in the Caribbean that in that four match series. So if England's only two from two from four on, on Friday evening, then mm. you know they've still got some work to do well that's food for thought for you and that's going to be our next podcast i think probably after the west indies v england game on friday and then of course we've got the big one on sunday india against pakistan at old trafford that's going to be an absolute belter i'm looking forward to that even now so i think we'll leave you with those thoughts because anyway i need to go back and join that uh, last man stands match and show them how to bowl leg spin you're going to come with me no why not? Because I've been... I've retired. Can I tell you why? Because <clears throat> I've been on Planet World Cup 24-7, it feels like, need for, for the last uh, 10 days, and I actually uh, need to cook my kids some tea. <laughs> Very good. OK, well, I'll let you go and, and do that. So we've uh, had a great week or two, and we'll be back with you later in the week. And just a reminder that this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Cricket 19, the official video game of the Ashes. For more information on this fabulous game, in which actually you can pretend you're Jasprit Bumrah, amongst others, and to purchase it, please visit Amazon.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.